I assume you can edit things when I uh, sound stupid and be like, oh, let's not include that. If, if you want me to, I can. But <laughs> that's the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I always uh, keep, uh, anytime I do video projects, I just hit record and they're like, are you recording now? I'm like, I'm recording always. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you're like, and at the end of the clip, we'll put all the great stuff. Yeah. The five elements of letting go. The podcast. Discussing mental health openly and freely, and learning tools and techniques to find peace. Do you have any questions before I begin? Um, I <laughs> I kind of tried to brainstorm and then what would I say? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to kind of like verbal diarrhea. Yeah, and that's perfect. That's what I love. <laughs> like, this is, this, you're my third so far. And it's, for me, it's always about, um, you know, I want it as real as we can get. Yeah. Because the idea is, you know, what do you do as a, as a real person? Mm. You know, when I was thinking of the concept of this, it was, is this going to be, you know, originally I was just going to contact professionals all over the world to interview them. What do you do? What do you do for your patients? And I'm like, no, no, there's enough for that. I want to <laughs> hear interesting people and their experiences with their own mental health and, and what they do. You can find any, so you ask me. No, <laughs> totally. I think you're fascinating. All right, let's 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 I'm being start. A dink. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Be a dink. It's going to be yeah, funny. That's how I roll. All right, welcome everyone to the Five Elements Letting Go podcast. I'm just going to introduce my guest today. This is Tim Corhuse. Oh, that was so not there. What did you do for me? I was trying to figure it out today. Courthouse. 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 Because it's funny because I checked on the internet. <laughs> and they That's pronounce tough. it different. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, in, in Holland, it would be Courthouse. Okay, and that's it, the one I got. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, uh, my parents go with Corthius. A bunch of family went with Corthius because people uh -huh. screwed it up. And then my we asked my grandma when we started having kids, we're like, if you could fix it all, what choose a court heist? We're like, that's what we're doing. Court heist? So court heist? I find the best way to explain it yeah. to children and students. Ah. Cortice. Tice. Cortice. Cortice. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Whenever it's cool and unique, it's always named. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, Tim is the musical director at um, the Foothills Philharmonic. And are you also the uh, men's chorus as well or is that no longer so yeah so i stepped down from, from that role i'm um, mm -hmm. just this past season and we're trying to adjust the men's chorus and uh, kind of reboot it so mm -hmm. i stepped back from that i'm uh found one of the founders of the photos philharmonic society yeah and then i direct the uh photos philharmonic chorus and chamber chorus that's right he's also um a uh, worship and arts pastor at the he was also a co-founder of the okotoks alliance <laughs> Church, that's what I, I found out. Okay. I was six. <laughs> yeah, of six people? No, that's... I was six years old when it... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> is that really? And yeah. they said that you're a co-founder? <laughs> uh, where is that written? <laughs> On their website. <laughs> oh, actually, I think I, I think my boss wrote that. So, yeah. No, yeah. Okay, well, my, you go. my parents helped uh, found the church when I was oh, okay. a kid. So yeah. then, uh, yeah. I guess you fit the, fit, fit the bill there. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's also, he has a master's degree in conducting. I do. Super and nerd. That's pretty wild. And uh, I would say he's a community leader. Thanks. Um, one thing I find very interesting, uh, Tim and I are friends on Facebook. And... Um, out of all the religious people I know, Tim is the most balanced and grounded 
person of faith I've ever met. <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. They might be like, that Tim is one unbalanced person of faith. I'm like, I don't care. I, I just do my best to follow Jesus and be like, all right, what would you do? Let's try to do that. Yeah, and and I think it's, you know, especially when there's comments where people are, and again, our world has moved towards this um, incredibly divided mm-hmm. to these either extremes. And the problem I have with that is I don't think that's where progress happens. No. Yeah, and, really. you know, um, I think, you know, there's those that want everything changed immediately. And then there's those that want everything to go back the way it was two, 300 years ago, or whatever mm. they think was the perfect time. Yeah. And that's just not the way it is. You know, progress is in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I've seen several comments from you over the years where people are getting a little out of hand and you just have this calming, balanced, loving response Thanks. to kind of pull people back to, hey, this is the foundation. This is what really matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, getting bent out of shape about ex- you know, all the extremes. I'm like, no, what, what you're saying, like, I, I hear you. That's actually not the bigger issue here. The bigger issue is, you know, um, just conversation today with um, someone um, over race and they're like, you know, um, yeah, white and black lives matter. I'm like, totally, 100%, all lives matter. But right now, you know, I'll get a little political on you. <laughs> yeah, that, we love that. Go ahead. I'm like, I'm like, but right now, our black brothers and sisters don't, the, the law does not treat them like they matter. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, everyone matters. So let's do our best to make sure that everyone knows they matter. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just kind of, I'm with you work with me here so we can get them to the same point so we can all say that yeah. together well and i think too like again i'm you know i was raised very staunch religious mormon i've left that behind me now but you know i still i know the stuff mm-hmm. right and you know one thing that always surprises me by that in comments like that from people who are faithful is you know jesus left the 99 mm-hmm. to recover the one And at this moment, black lives are that one, Mm -hmm. you know, and other, you know, groups. And indigenous. Yes, exactly. And, you know, if we are true followers of, you know, Christ, you know, that example that he set, then you're going to be that person that's like, no, this is what's needed right now. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, these ones are doing okay. You know, mm-hmm. you know, one one guy said, you know, uh, I forget his comment about being white or something. I'm like, I know, like Irish people, they they had they were persecuted, and you know, sometimes they still get you know people yell at them or whatever. But we're not talking the same thing anymore. Yeah. They're they're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> think we moved past that now. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, currently this is the the you know our. Um, those that in, are in need of support and love exactly. and, and help. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the we're, we'll get into lots of things tonight. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes out, anything you want to show, you go right ahead. The the main purpose of um, you know this whole these discussions that I've been carrying on with people is I want to know what real people feel about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to talk about it more. We need to be um, brave enough to talk about ourselves and our concerns because I think those that are struggling and those that, you know, are having difficulty with their mental health, they see the Instagram world where everything's perfect, you Mm -hmm. know, 
Where? There we go. I forgot to put that on. I thought that was one of those things, yeah. but I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Why is he going to turn on the light? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, in this instance, these discussions I, I'm encouraging are a way to hear how, you know, people that I respect and I, I think are, you know, people that have interesting histories, but also are handling their mental health in very, you know, I think great ways. And I think you're a great balanced person. I, I know within your experience and your role, you help a lot of people, um, you know, but also I think I wanted to hear from someone who, you know, one uh, from a religious perspective, but also from a musical perspective, how you mm -hmm. use those tools to help you find, you know, uh, you know, peace with, within your own mental health. So if I were to ask you, what, what is your current view of mental health right now in the world and, and you know, where it is, what would you say? <laughs> big. That's a big statement. <laughs> um, probably the first thing that comes to mind is really, really uh, recognizing that mental health is the same as any other injury or any other um, you know, body issue, you know, sometimes you run into people who say, oh, you know, shake it off. I'm like, I, I can't shake off a broken leg. Um, and mental health, um, as you say, you know, kind of spiritual things, there are different aspects of mental health. And a lot of people say, oh, it's all spiritual or it's all emotional or it's all biochemical. Um, yes, <laughs> it is all those things. But depending on what you're, you're dealing with, I know for myself, um, for me to deal with any of the emotional or the spiritual stuff, I need to get the chemical right because my, my brain is not, the chemicals aren't working right. So I look at that as, and I'm very open with my kids because if they wrestle with it, I want them to know that I'm like, it's not a shame. And, and I think as a world, we're coming out of that, which is really good. Um, removing the shame element and saying, oh, you know what, if, if we, we can get you some medicine to help you, uh, to help, help you kind of get on the right track. Um, Going back to the, the the spiritual thing, a good friend of mine, associate pastor at the church, preached a really great sermon on depression years ago, and he talked talked about those things that sometimes we need the chemical. Um, he he kind of said that these different layers of depression are like broken lenses in the way you can view and interact with the world, and sometimes even to deal with the emotional or the spiritual, you need to deal with the chemical first because you can't even see what you need to deal with. You can't even see what's going on in your head because Things are just spiraling so much, you know, even for example, you know, from a mental health perspective, uh, I was freaking out even coming down here because I'm just like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> and then my heart starts pounding. I'm having this major anxiety. And then, uh, you know, um, my son says, hey, do you want to play Minecraft with me? And my insides say, no, you should hide and cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my kind of coping things is, is um, I'd said years ago to myself, I'm like, Never let your mental health get in the way of being with your kids. And just like by s saying yes as much as I can to them, it just interrupts that spiraling train of thought. Um, I regularly take you know, medicine on, I take Ciprolex, which you know, I'm not a spokesperson for them, but mm -hmm. it works great for me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I take that regularly and that, you know, my wife will be the biggest advocate of that as well, uh, that it allowed me then to view the rest of my emotions in a constructive way that I could actually step back instead of going, everything's a disaster. You're a disaster. Um, going from, uh, you know, several times a day going, you know, when you're in the car, you're like, you know, what would make this world better? 
if you drove this car off the, off the edge of the road, you know, and, and going from thinking that several times a day to now being able to go when that thought comes up and be like, that makes no sense. You know what? Um, here's a couple things that you should remember that are good about you. Yeah. And remembering that, you know what, your wife loves you and your kids love you. And uh, here are a couple of good things about your life. And it's not that you know, some people say, you know, um, medicine, oh, it's, uh, you do that so you can feel happy all the time. I'm like, no, <laughs> if you got that pill, let me know. Cause I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> well, I've I'm done that one. one, but you don't want to do it all <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> True enough. Um, but it's just something that allows me to um, view what's going on in myself uh, clearer to be able to address my emotional issues, to, to be able to address, you know, anger and anxiety. Um, from a music perspective, like I got this master's degree in choir, but I hadn't fully realized I had um, clinical depression until after I finished that master's degree. Wow. So I went through my bachelor's degree in, in uh, uh, classical and jazz piano and my master's degree in conducting. And um, I would sit there in the, you know, kind of grad student's office before rehearsal and I'm just shaking and I'm going, why, why are you dreading this? Why are you like freaking out? And I'm just like, I should run and I should jump off the top of this building because that would make the most sense right now just to end everything. I'm like, but you're going into a room to do something you love. Yeah. <laughs> like, like well, why can you, and all I could think of was just, you know, how, how much I hated my life. And it was, it's so illogical. It's so hard to talk about because it's something I, I love it's. And then I would step foot into the rehearsal and then boom, it's like a switch. My brain would go, Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. okay. But I would have to keep just those steps to remind myself and be like, it's, it's hard to say pre medicine because nothing really helped at least not for me, you know, um, I tried to deal with it spiritually and I have wonderful, um, spiritual like elders at our church and stuff like that who would pray with me, but I had to work with it over time to realize, okay, it's not a spiritual thing. Why? Cause I a hundred percent, hundred percent believe that, that, you know, God loves me and that he's hearing my prayers. So, you know, if this isn't getting fixed, then it's not that thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's an emotional thing. I'm like, okay, I can see it's an emotional thing, but I don't know how the hell I'm supposed to fix it from there and go, uh, just be happier, be better. Oh. So I had a friend, um, and, and, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you should exercise. I'm like, that sounds great too, but I know I won't. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're talking motivations. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm, I can't even, you know, like, I'm not a person who is just like laying in bed for hours, but I know I can't motivate myself to go work out, to get over this. I, I need to stop this churning of, of self-loathing and, and hatred and all this type of stuff. And I needed something to get to stop that. And then finally, you know, I'd listened to the advice of my friends who had said it for many years. They're like, why don't you try, uh, you know, try some medication. I'm like, well, fine. I went to the doctor and he started me on something. And all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, is this how like the rest of the world thinks? Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't happiness. It was clarity. It was being able to see beyond my, my self-loathing, beyond my anxiety and, and panic that, oh, I can, I can actually address that. And then, you know, we kind of mess with the, um, mess with the levels, um, just kind of going, he's like, how would you find your depression at this point? I'm like, it's still pretty debilitating. I mean, we brought it up, you know, certain levels 
And uh, my doctor was really great, uh, Richard Ansel. Woo, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even now, though, um, I'm eating because of the clarity that that brought. I'm now I'm eating a little bit better. I'm trying to deal with diet. I'm trying to exercise a bit more. So now I'm bringing that that medication level down to go. Okay, like I went uh, sometime this summer. All of a sudden, I realized with my wife, I'm like, I haven't taken medication for seven days. Oh crap! I'm like, why do I feel okay though? Yeah, okay, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Let's try bringing that down. And so we brought we brought it down like a quarter of the dose. And I'm like, I'm still feeling okay. All right, but will I be off it entirely? I don't know. And I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna worry about that. And people who maybe I'll be on it for the rest of my life. I don't know. I don't yeah. care. But yeah. it's been a gateway for me to see um, see the world through a new lens. To be see, able to see myself through a new lens and go. Oh, there's hope on the other side. I don't have to sit in despair and all that. And now I can look at the, you know, the emotional triggers. I can look at the spiritual things. And it's interesting kind of once I dealt with the physical, I'm like, well, there's not a lot of emotional ones. No, there's not a lot of spiritual. Shit. That was, (laughs) I wish I'd got that medication a hell of a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's like those people that finally go and get the eye laser surgery. <laughs> yeah. I can see. <laughs> well, that was a great comedian who yeah. talked about that, Brian Regan, and he's, he talks about going for eye, eye exam. He's like, why is good vision not at the top of every priority? Yeah. You go there, he's like, I could be seeing stuff. <laughs> That's totally the way it feels. Yeah. So what do you think it was, you know, because you talked about like, you know, someone had suggested this to you before. You're like, oh, maybe try, you know, and you're, you're trying all the spiritual stuff. You're mm-hmm. trying those things. Was there, um, was there some, uh, was it shame in that? Oh, you know, medication is showing a weakness, or is it your faith saying no? Mm. You're, if you have strong enough faith, you're not going to need this. What do you think it was that was happening that caused you to kind of delay yeah. that option? I'm not even sure because I, I look back and. Um, like I know lots of people in our faith community who who are on medication. Uh, my parents take it as well, which I didn't fully realize until I started on it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been taking X for I'm like, huh, I, I feel like we should have a bigger conversation. Yeah, about yeah. That. And that's why I'm fully open with my kids about that as well. We're like, you might need to um, w- w- wait, and t- wait until you're adults so you can wait until your teenage, ho- teenage hormones will stop, mm-hmm. you know, raging and all that. Um, but... Sorry, getting back to your to the first question. Um, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of shame. I think there was a lot of I got to power through this. I got to be tough enough, um, you know. And the frustrating thing is, I don't know why I put that on myself. Like I've got a wonderful parents. They never, they never did the whole. You know, you got to be tough and you got to you know mm-hmm. man up. It was never that. My they're always supportive of that and. Faith communities, I knew a lot of people who were um, on medication and it, they said it was wonderful and it was helping them. I think it was just a weight I put on myself to go, well, I'm strong enough. Yeah. I should be strong enough. But it, it's it's literally like looking at a broken leg and walking on it through the pain and looking and be like, well, I should be strong enough. <laughs> you know, that shouldn't bother me. I'm like, your yeah. freaking leg's broken. Yeah, Fix the damn leg yeah. and then realize Oh, there's no amount of strength that's going to get through there. The chemicals in your brain are wrong. And you can be as positive as you want, but you're not fixing that. Get them fixed. And then you can see clearly to take those next steps. Like I was saying to my wife recently, like, um, I still can't look. Like I've never been physically abusive 
or anything to my family, but I know I, I, I don't want, don't want to say it, but I know I hurt them emotionally. Um, and there's still photos of my family that I look at on the wall and I can't look at them because all I can remember is how mean I was mm-hmm. or looking and be like, I remember hurting you that day. Like not, I like, I remember saying something, yeah. you know, like a, my daughter is 18 now and I, uh, um, I got two daughters who are 18 or 15 and my boys who are um, 12 and nine. I got the same issue. (laughs) And it's hard to figure it out sometimes. (laughs) Like my boys have never experienced that sign of dad. Um, My younger daughter knows a little bit and my older daughter does remember things. And we've had conversations and she's fully, you know, forgiven me for for things I said. But I still look at a lot of these photos and I just have this shame going, man, why the hell didn't I get that? Why Why the hell didn't I try medication sooner? And how much better that would have been. Well, the good thing is you look at that picture and see that that's a different person. Yeah. And that's, that's the not you anymore. Yeah. And that's even that's the, uh, tr- uh, the, the wonderful truth of, of getting a handle on the depression through the medication is being able to look at that now through that analytical eye. And, and you know, if I didn't have the medication, it would just be like, look, you're garbage, you're garbage then, you're garbage now. And now I, if I say that to myself, I can go, you're not. Mm. You can, that's not who you were. You were, you, frankly, you were strong enough to go to the doctor and say, I want a better life for my kids. I want a better life for my wife. You know, I got this wonderful wife who you know, walked with me, but people kind of joke. They're like, oh, she's so quiet and she's so introverted. And I'm like, yeah, but she's a bear when it comes to <laughs> like defending her family. And like, mm-hmm. she'll be like, I love you, but you need to shut up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, like you need to, figure this crap out. I'm, you know, we're committed to this marriage, but right now this sucks. So yeah. let's, uh, and she's just, you know, this five foot one and three quarters. She, she's very yeah. strict about that height. I'm one <laughs> and three quarters, you know, tiny person. Both my daughters and my oldest son are now all taller than her. But um, she's a person who just kind of, you know, just said, I support you. I love you, but I know there's more. You can be better than this. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, anyway, I could babble on forever about that, but that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know, it's interesting when I, you know, I talk to, you know, in my field, being in, in alternative health, I'll get patients in all the time that, you know, are very against med- using medications, mm-hmm. or they come in and it's almost as though they're apologizing to me that they're on these medications. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm. You don't have to apologize. This isn't a, you know, this or that, you know, one or nothing kind of thing. You know, it's whatever it takes to get you better. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, uh, you know, I'll say to patients is, you know, you know, most medications are designed to, uh, you know, correct an interim thing. You Mm -hmm. know, very few medications heal. So there's nothing wrong with going on a medication to... Get things in a position where your body can heal. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure as soon as that you took you started that meds, there's like a that switch, and you're like, wow, I can function. Mm-hmm. I can and, make start making some better choices. Yeah, yeah. Now now I can start, you know, moving forward and you know, finding other things that can make me feel even better. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that the ultimate goal is to completely get off meds. For some people that is. Mm-hmm. Um, because certain medications just 
you know, long-term use aren't really unhealthy. Yeah, totally. Um, others, they're quite fine to use a low dose your whole life. And, you know, it's finding that method that fits you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always try to remind patients, you know, number one is, you know, uh, my goal is never to tell you what to do with your medication. My goal is to get you so balanced and healthy that you may not need your medication. Mm-hmm. But that's not my decision to make. Mm-hmm. That's yours and your physician. And, you well, know, if that means you got to take it for the rest of your life to feel amazing, as long as you're feeling amazing. Yeah. Well, it, it so much goes back to kind of the earlier conversation we were having about, you know, this this dichotomy world where everything's so divided. Like, everyone tends, to, we, we just leap on the extremes where it's like, oh, medication's great, and therefore all medication will be good, and I should only do this, and no alternatives, right? Or people go, oh, only alternatives. And it's like, no, like, man, how much better as a society do we do we work if we, we come to the middle and we're like, let's take the best of that. Let's take the best yeah. of this. Oh, you know, um, uh, you know, having conversations with people over race things and they're like, well, you know, I know all these black people who are, you know, um, don't have any race problems. I'm like, that sounds awesome. They should be a great encouragement to those who are. Oh, I know lots of great cops. Awesome. Let's, you know, um, let's catch the bad ones so the good ones can do their job. Yeah. Right. And they're for, and they don't have to worry about that. So they don't have people looking at them negatively. Like, like the middle is where we are. We're like, all right, let's get rid of the, get rid of the, let's take the good from over there. Let's take the good from over there. Let's get rid of the bad over here. And man, like as a society, like we're, we're on such a, a like I'm a, I'm a bit of an optimist. I don't know. Maybe it's a medication, but whatever. <laughs> I'm happy with it. Yeah. Um, that where I look at them, I'm like, man, I like, we can look at it as we're on such a tipping point of, you know, all these extremes. I'm like, yeah, but we're talking about shit that would needed to be talked about. Yeah. We're bringing that up. Like, you know, we're bringing all that stuff to the surface where people are like, oh, well now people are upset. I'm like, people were always upset yes. and they were burying it or they or the people who had a right to be upset weren't bringing it up because they're like, nobody gives a crap. I'm like, we do. Let's fix it. Let's. Yeah. Dig into it and someone's like, ah, this conversation's awkward. I'm like, yes, but imagine being on the other side of it, you know, mm-hmm. pushing through and going, well, I don't understand you. I don't understand you. Well, I, I, I kind of understand you a little bit more now that we're clashing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you get why? Oh, we actually both love humanity. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Oh, let's work together. Yes. Mm. That's, oh, and that guy's racist. Yeah. Let's throw him away. <laughs> <laughs> That guy hates people. I'm like, okay, we can both agree, agree with that. Let's get rid of the, the crazies on either side and the 99% of the world that wants to make things better. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's it's really fascinating. I've read a book recently called Humanity. And uh, I, I apologize, cannot remember the author's name right now. He's a, a Danish historian. And the whole purpose of the book is to uh, clear up all these false narratives that have been taught in psychology and, um, uh, you know, just in media over the last, you know, 200 years about uh, that humans are inherently evil, Hmm. that we're born evil, we're these evil, you know, uh, selfish beings, and we need, you know, uh, leaders to, you know, corral us and control Hmm. us to make us obedient and or without it, we would just, you know, turn in Lord absolute of the flies. <laughs> yeah. And it's, he brings it up in the book because, yeah. you know, Lord of the flies was written by a, 
um, you know, alcoholic, uh, you know, uh, abusive father who taught private school boys. And he hated his job and he hated children. And this is how he viewed children. Yeah. I'm going to write a book about what kids are really like. And so he wrote Lord of the Flies. And it's, we think it is like nonfiction Mm. (laughs) because we all had to read it. And so we all have this view of, oh, this is what we're like if we don't have guidance. Mm. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. And there's. And so the author is like, you know, getting all the information about, you know, why do we think that this is gospel? And he found a story of these six teens that uh, wanted adventure. They lived in Tonga. They stole the, the, you know, the local island drunk's boat and decided they're going to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And none of them knew how to run a boat or anything. Oh, they crashed eventually on this, like, uh, you know, island all by itself. Not really a very livable place, but these six boys kept themselves alive for a year and a half. Wow. They had created their own little democracy. Uh, if there was any fights, they had to go to the opposite, opposite sides of the island, cool down, and then always apologize and hug when they got back. And they figured wow. all these things out. And they were found and saved by a fisherman. And, you know, just like this is what humanity does. Mm. You know, Very and cool. so he goes through and there's all these stories like the, the Stanford prison experiment. It was all faked mm-hmm. and, you know, manipulated and everything and on and on and on, you know, about in war that men would, uh, you know, just continually during uh, the Civil War re, um, refill their guns. And but they would never shoot because mm-hmm. no one wants to kill, mm-hmm. you know, and the Christmas the, Day. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and World War Two. Right? Yeah, it's and, like, yeah. And then given an opportunity for a break and it's like, yeah. Actually, we don't want to kill each other. Yeah. And then after, you got to go kill each yeah. other. Okay. Yeah, because the, the following Christmas, they had plans and they forced them. Like, they were on them. Like, mm-hmm. we can't let these guys get soft again. And so after World War II, they started, in the militaries, started desensitizing humans to killing. Mm-hmm. So they could, you know, get them to actually kill and shorten these wars, I guess, the idea and all this. But it was just crazy. So it just drives me crazy when... We think humans aren't decent mm-hmm. inside because mm-hmm. we are. And if, and if you really believe that we are created by God and are in his image, mm-hmm. then you have to think that we're all inherently good. That we're not coming here as these, you know, evil beings that need to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have that glory in us and, you know, we can use it. Now, I'm just saying that I, you know, to, to me, you know, being raised Mormon and all that, I've left a lot of those beliefs behind. But I still like, I feel that way. And I still think, you know, the fundamentals of Christianity should mm. feel the same way. I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Like one of the underlying theologies of sin, you know, and sin being prevalent through, um, you know, Adam and Eve's first sin and so forth and, and all through humanity I always look at that as kind of there's there's two layers, like there's the theological element of sin of, you know, we'll choose things that are against the will of God. You know, I don't want to get too much into the theology of it. Mm-hmm. I view that as being separate from, not separate from humanity, but it is a theological, it's a, it's a, it's a larger theological conversation, but when you see humanity in the nuts and bolts of life and... Um, 
I love those illustrations of, you know, we don't teach people to be racist, you know. Oh, sorry. We do teach people to be yeah, racist. Yeah, 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 The opposite of what I meant. Uh -huh. Like when you see two kids who've never been taught about racism and that they embrace each other. I love those photos of, you know, two kids who, you know, um, a black kid and a white kid wearing the same clothes. And they're like, look, we're twins. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're like that's how humanity is viewing each other, right? Like, like we can be, we're um, often tempted to sin and so forth. And we will often give into that for, you know, selfish reasons and so forth. But there are so many overwhelming examples of that human, humanity wants to care for one, one another. And, you know, we will we can be tempted, you know, through, uh, you know, tempted through sin and the devil to, to choose things that are selfish. But I still see that image of God in Mago Dei, which is you know, the fancy term. Mm -hmm. um, you still see that, that thumbprint of the creator in all of us where, you know, you, where you, you love, there's things out there that you love. You know, I look at love itself as you know, symbolic of, you know, not, not even symbolic that it is the personification of God's love for us. Right. Mm -hmm. God loved us. You can see that and throw scriptures everywhere. And then through that, we know how to love each other. And you see that in humanity, that people who may not know anything about the Christian faith, well, they sure as heck know how to love each other. Right. Yeah. And it's not because they've been taught that through a religion. It's because that is embedded in their being. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then when you're taught hate, well, then that gets embedded. But luckily I would see that it's a layer that can be peeled off. Mm -hmm. Right. Man, there's a great example of a, um, uh, black guy who goes to KKK rallies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't remember his name. I can't remember, but he wrote a book about the whole experience. Yeah. And he's like, he got taking like hundreds of KKK yeah, yeah, members. Uh, over 400 people have left the KKK thanks to him, but yeah. he worked with like the, the head top dragon guy or whatever, yeah. and just would hang out with him. Yeah. And it was the simple stuff. Yeah. And exactly. He didn't argue with him. It wasn't a matter of debate. It was, I'm going to love you. And that's enough for you to go crap. So this guy who I hate loves me and cares about me. What does that say about me? Yeah. Can I be that guy? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, kind of I under... think I'm su the superior yeah. race here. And being and confronted he's with that. me that he is. Oh yeah. Being confronted with that, we're like, oh, he is clearly a better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> and now that's a problem because then I'm confronted with everything I got in front of me here. Yeah. And I got to toss that away because his way seems way better. And even from a, you know, from a faith perspective, that's, that's the way I want, I want to live my faith where people go like, that guy loves people. That guy cares about people. There must be something to what he's believing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I love you because I know Jesus loves the heck out of you. And who yeah. am I to say otherwise? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, um, <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. You know, it's totally fine. But it's, you know, I, I think for myself too, and from what I've learned of people, it's you have to, you need to meet someone and know someone in that realm that you have issue with mm -hmm. to really change your heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, myself, you know, I was raised again, you know, very religious. We had very negative views on homosexuals and that, you know, well, the only reason you're homosexual is because you were, you know, raped as a child by a man or something, or like, these are the things mm -hmm. that I was taught mm -hmm. and, you know, or that they're, you know, uh, perverts or all these mm -hmm. things to mm -hmm. excuse this behavior rather than it 
being what it is, is that you're born this way. Mm. And it took me, you know, meeting gay people and being friends with them to soften my point of view and thank God (laughs) (laughs) that I did because I have two gay sons. Wow. And to, uh, you know, I know what it's been like for others who, you know, were raised in that viewpoint of like my best friend is gay, but he was raised Mormon too. Mm-hmm. We, ser- we served as missionaries for two years together. Wow. And his whole life, he was never allowed to let his mind ponder the fact that he was even gay mm-hmm. because that's just not an option in his mm-hmm. belief. And so it took him till in his 40s to finally like, I can, I'm going to allow myself to be who I am. Mm. And I think whether it's, you know, the fellow, the KKK fellow meeting, you know, you know, sitting down with the, that, with, with the, with the black fellow. And then, you know, myself meeting and respecting and following with these, with gay people Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever it may be, you know, you, when you meet people who uh, are living and are those things that you fear Mm -hmm. or hate, you can't help but change and soften your heart once you know yeah. that no they're real people they're good people there's a term I, th- I think it's called sonder i might be wrong on that um which has always fascinated me it's the, the concept that um we look at our lives and the you know when you consider the web of interconnection of like what what's going on in my life and who i'm connected with and the things that are affecting me and you start realizing that's everyone everyone out there you know, this, you know, this persecuted person here, this racist person over there, they've got this web of influences and people they're influencing and, and coming to realize that like, man, we are, we've got all these things that are trying to change us and affect us and, and looking at people as, as people to be, to be cared for, people to be loved, you know, people to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, pitied but in a positive way right? mm-hmm. compassion compassionate yes exactly to look at someone and like man i don't know your story but i know you deserve love mm-hmm. you know, um, carl Maderis is a um, well-known christian uh, writer and uh, he's kind of advised um, like governments and all these different things and sat in these big panels with world leaders and all that and he was um i was sitting next to um uh, the head of a couple um uh, homosexual organizations and they just straight up said to him what are your thoughts on uh, homosexuality and he said well i'd hope they'd be the same as jesus and she's like and what is that he's like he loves you like that's the only thing that should matter that's the only thing that should come out of my mouth that's the only thing you should understand for me as a christian is jesus loves you and he loves me and in the midst of whatever i'm doing in the midst of your life or this other thing like like, let's be honest, I can't, I don't know what's in people's hearts. I don't even know, let's be honest, the complete truth. But I, I've seen Jesus lo- move in my life, and I've seen him change me, and I want you to know how much he loves you, and if there's things to work on, I trust that he's going to talk to you about that, just mm-hmm. the way he talked to me about mm-hmm. it. But I know my job is to love the crap out of you. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, you know, like, so if we go back to the beginning where you talked about... You know, you're trying to trying to get your mind to settle and stop mm. that negative, harmful self-talk. Mm-hmm. And you're going through all these things. And, you know, again, in, you know, when I was a child in faith, there was this idea that, you know, 
you you don't need medication because you just got to pray harder. Mm. You just got to read the scriptures more and you got to do all these other things and that's going to be the answer. Mm. I do think the Mormon church is moving away from that finally, mm. but there's a lot of Mormons on medications now. <laughs> and whether that's the faith itself that causes the imbalance, I don't know. But A lot I, of people in faith were the ones who said to me, like, you got to take some medication. You yeah, need to, you need to go check that out. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that sounds like that might be Jesus actually yeah. pointing me in that direction. But that's what I'm saying is that yeah. we, you know, people in faith are all about, you know, Jesus is going to solve this for me. Well, he has by providing you with all these people in here with all this knowledge mm -hmm. and understanding and skill set. And if you open up and you follow that influence, you're going to find those people that are going to help you. Totally. And they're him. Yeah. You know, and if we, if you can be humble enough to That's listen key. to him, you know, again, again, I'm, I want to make clear, I'm not a religious person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm technically like on the line of an atheist, mm. but I still believe that this is how it works in that whether it's God or the universe or Jesus, that energy, that influence is there and it's in everyone. Mm -hmm. And if we really want to benefit from Jesus and his love and that energy, we have to follow that guidance to those around us that are his hands mm -hmm. that really make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you do that, then you can find support and you can find help and you will heal. You know, it's always like that guy, he's like hanging from a cliff or something and he's praying for I totally for was going to mention that. Yeah. Why don't you tell that story? Well, I've heard it in so many different um, yeah. facets, like you know, you're hanging from a cliff, or you're on a desert island or yeah. whatever. And, you know, the, the general idea is, you know, you're on a desert island and you're, you say, Jesus, help me. And then all of a sudden a sailboat comes along and says, hey, can I, can I give you a lift? And he's like, no, Jesus is going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, Jesus is coming, and then a big boat comes along and is like, hey, we want to help you. Uh, no, Jesus will help me. And a helicopter comes, and he says, no, I'm waiting for Jesus. And then the guy dies. Yeah. And then he goes, why didn't you help me? And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> He's like, how could you not see that? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that is so life. Like, we're, we're waiting for, um, I've said this often to, to people, like, like um, I've, you know, I have friends who, you know, expl show articles on that are explaining away um, you know, uh, the parting of the Red Sea and all this stuff. And like, maybe, like, maybe they can all be explained by natural consequences. But I bet you the Israelites are thankful that that happened then. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, God is so much in the timing and this person is brought into your life and you might be like, that doesn't seem miraculous. Yeah, well, the timing sure was awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's when I needed to hear that when, you know, I'm, when, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was away with my wife and we were both at this uh, prayer event for a denomination and I was just wrestling with, um, you know, um, faith, but self-hatred and all this type of stuff. And, and I was just sitting there going, God, I don't know. I don't, I don't like you. I don't think I believe in any of this. And I was, it was all inside. And then my wife just turns to me and she's crying. She's like, God told me this. And I'm like, could you look at her words and be like, well, she knew me and blah, 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 blah. Sure. We could dismiss it that way. But she sure as hell said that at the right time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there was well, something in her that just went now. Yeah. Well, see, I, I look at it as we are all connected. Mm -hmm. We're all one, you know, whether you want to believe it's, you know, we're all God's creation or we're all like, you know, the universe is an organism and we're just the cells in mm -hmm. it, whatever. We are all connected. And when we quiet ourselves, you know, 
you can call it the spirit. You can call it the whisperings of the universe. You Midi- can call it yeah, anything. <laughs> it exists, yeah. and that's why there's so many religions. Is <laughs> because this is real, and when we can, you know, quiet and listen and, and respond to the, that guidance, that's when miracles mm. happen. Mm. And you know, it uh, it can, you know, strengthen any faith. You know, it can make you feel more connected to a partner. It can make you feel more connected to others. You know, and I, I think that's the the thing that I think, particularly with mental health, that we all need to talk more about is that everyone has mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yeah. And some are easier to deal with on a day-to-day basis and some are not. Yeah. And you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And we have to talk about it. We have to reach out. We have to support others. So that we can find, you know, help and feel better. Because it'll never be something you're going to figure out on your own. No, no, absolutely. Like even uh, when we go back to the kind of beginning of this conversation about music and stuff, having um, this afternoon or this evening, I had a meeting with our uh, virtual Zoom meeting with our uh, chorus and chamber chorus subcommittee. You know, people just trying to organize, organize seasons going, all right, what the heck do we do for this upcoming season, you know? Well, we can't sing. Well, I guess that's that. <laughs> you know, um, but one of the things I've just loved about this society, like we started it seven years ago, and we started it as you know, we just want to make great classical music, and then it became something where it's like, well, we're going to continue making great music. But man, this is attracting people who are looking for a great community, and this has become that. So the conversation yeah. very much was. All right, so we can't sing. So how do we care for the people in this organization? How do we contribute how do we help them with their mental health how do we encourage them in the middle of this and i just was like smiling like an idiot i'm like i love this i love you guys like that that's the priority right that Mm -hmm. like we are living together we're all connected through this so how can we you know how can we love each other and kick up each other you know keep each other's brains working properly when we're all devoid as you know the extroverts in us especially are really feeling that lack of connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I would guess you're an extrovert. I've, you know, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. So it depends I. where I'm at. Right. Yeah. And, and this, and the setting, you're like, it's so funny. Like drives Crystal a little crazy sometimes. Cause she's like, you know, if you're in charge, you're an extrovert. <laughs> That's totally me. Yeah. If you're not, you're an introvert. Yeah, totally. If I'm not, if not, I'm not in the front, <laughs> I'm the person just kind of sitting in the back and be like, yeah. Like, does that person, is he going to kill someone here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, that's what they say to yeah. me, too. <laughs> yeah. Look at all his tattoos. Look at his beard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Someone's going to die. It's it's hard, you oh, know. Yeah. But to my, myself, you know, the, the hardest thing I experienced leaving the Mormon church, there was a thousand reasons to leave the Mormon church, but there was only one thing that made it hard for mm-hmm. me, and that was the community. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was a particularly healthy community, but it was a community and it's the only one I knew Mm. since I was born. And to, you know, and part of it too, it's the ego of I've, you know, it's the, what the sunken cost fallacy, the (laughs) The sunken cost fallacy. So it's this thing of, you know, this isn't working. (laughs) You're not benefiting from it. You're never going to fix this car. But you keep throwing money into it thinking, well, I've already put yeah, this okay, much so, into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep doing it in the hopes that someday it'll work. Yeah. And and I think there's that part of it. It's just like, frick, I 
I know so much about this stuff and I've, you know, experienced so much and I've, you know, had all these leadership mm-hmm. positions and, you know, done all these things. And it's still a world I understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, you know, it makes me feel a little safe. Yeah, it makes me absolutely. feel important. And I'm, and am, am I going to give all that up? Well, I needed to mm. for my mental health, for my, you know, just my peace. And, uh, but I still miss that. Mm-hmm. And that made it hard. It, it took me several years. And, you know, part of it was deprogramming from the childhood brainwashing. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, and, you know, initially it was, I was missing that community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, so I joined a choir. That's where we first met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I joined. Was that like right after that? Uh, fairly soon after wow. that, yeah. I jo- um, I did a play with uh, Duty Players, yep. you know, and I've done like four or five plays with them now. Um, you know, I joined the Masons. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did that whole thing. Wasn't for me, you know. But uh, we need sure. community. Yeah. yeah. And without it, it, it does really even those who are the most introverted still need at least one or two people Absolutely. in their life. Like I have, um, I'd say I have, you know, a lot of good, you know, acquaintance slash friends. Because mm-hmm. we're, you know, I'd say that's where, I would say we're friends. We don't do a whole lot together, but I know that, uh, you know, if I needed anything mm-hmm. or we could always talk, you know, uh, great friends. I probably have two or three, Yeah, you know, and I know people have like this, like group of their entourage and you know, all these <laughs> friends. I never really had that, you know, maybe when I was younger, but yeah. still, I don't think we're great friends. Yeah. Yeah. Kids. But we need something. Yeah. We can't be alone. Absolutely. And that's definitely something I'm finding in the midst of this, this COVID thing as well is that it's really kind of made me look and go, okay, I'm like, my wife is a, obviously a great companion for each other. And, but she very clearly, like she, she's always known who she is. She's always, you know, seemed very confident and, and not drawn to groups of people. She's always had one or two close friends. And even now she's got one or two just absolutely. And they, they keep talking to each other in the midst of this. I'm like, okay, I think I I might've been filling myself with groups of people. Right. And that the one or two really close friends I didn't pour enough time into, so now I'm kind of apart going, who are those one or two people? Mm-hmm. Right? Like definitely. And then going back to the whole mental health thing, the medicine helps that from becoming a spiral that I can actually look at that and go, that makes me sad. What can we do to deal with that? Mm-hmm. Right. And I can think that through and go, huh, I should pour some more energy into those friendships that I know are important. Okay. Let's do that. As opposed to, well, you are a piece of garbage. And nobody wants to be around you, so you should jump off a cliff. So prior to the medication, it was you weren't able to get that pause yeah. in your brain to think. That is so it. That is not logical. What can I do about this? Yeah. Whereas before, it was just this bombardment of self-hatred. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I remember just being like, would be in prayer meetings at church, and all I, like, the images in my head, you know, you know, Years ago, as a you know, as a younger person, I would be like, "Is this demonic?" Like, I'd have these images of like, "Oh, I'm gonna pick up a table and throw it out the window," and you know, I'm just I just hear yelling in my head. I'm like, "Am I schizophrenic? What's going on?" And and all it is is just this bombardment of noise inside me and going, you know, 
know, oh, you're a fraud. Oh, you know, you're sitting in a prayer meeting, you know, and, you know, you hate yourself and you, you know, there's, why would you be in a prayer meeting? Jesus doesn't love you. Look at what a piece of garbage you are. And it's this constant just noise of depression, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you know, I'm sure I took on a bunch of things just to prove it to myself that, you know, you're not trash. Like maybe that's why I went into my music degrees. I don't know, but now I like them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm quite happy with the uh, decisions that depressed him made back then. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, I, you know, I look at so much of like, you know, like working on choir stuff and I, I have to keep myself from getting you know, spiraling down in that as well as like, I look at, look, look at the stuff I learned in my degrees and so forth and going, instead of going, man, you missed a lot because you were depressed. But five years ago, I would have go, and that's, you know, now you're garbage and blah, blah, blah. But now I can go, well, things are better now. Yeah. You know, like, I think you nailed it on the head with the phrase, hit the pause button. Yeah. I couldn't hit a pause. And the medication just allowed the, the, the new lens to be put in place, the clouds to clear for a moment for me to go, just pause. You're not that. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, mm-hmm. we can, that's going to move us forward. And like, we're talking about like the music stuff, like that's, that's hitting that pause button. It's dispelling some of the clouds of, of, of emotion and anger and rage and just being like, I'm going to pour it out for a moment. Oh, well, I can't play piano the rest of my life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and then, you know, not being able to, to deal with the rest of my life uh, without the medication. And then once you have that, you're like, this is great. They're like, I can hit a pause, and now that I can, I'm going to work on eating better. Like, I've cut out. I used to have, like, three Slurpees a day. I haven't had them since January. Wow. <laughs> like, to the point. And it's and been it, hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, cane sugar, A&W root beer, super good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I'm right there with you. Yeah, but it's like, but being able to hit that pause button as well, and you know, my wife said, you know, have you considered, you know, checking into food allergies and before I'd been like, no, because I'm strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, finding out, oh, I should never eat corn again. Who who would have thought that corn would toss me on the toilet for hours on end? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they throw that in everything now. Yeah, and <laughs> cola. I'm allergic yeah. to the cola bean. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Yeah, that's you know? crazy. But those sort of things, you know, being able to hit that pause, being able to deal with that, you know, get those that in, uh, figured out, hopefully get some more... You know, fitness figured out. I know I've got ways to go here, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we're comparing bellies right yeah, now. That's right. Womp <laughs> Where is that one on this? Oh, <laughs> that's a pretty nice one. I've got the trombone in here somewhere. No. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous <laughs> and awesome. Any one of those. <laughs> so, one thing I've asked everyone in these interviews is, you know. Uh, what are some self-care stuff that you do to help you manage your mental health? So believe it or not, music isn't really one of them. <laughs> um, gardening. Um, <laughs> I remember reading something years ago about um, uh, grounding the human body. And I'd always loved gardening and I always specifically loved gardening in my bare feet. Mm-hmm. And um, like sitting on the ground and my wife would be like, you're getting so dirty. I'm like, but it's great. Like not just the dirt, but like just sitting on the ground with my bare feet on the ground. And I ended, I ended up reading this thing where it 
just talks about like that the human body with its electrical systems needs to be grounded. Yeah. You know, at various times I'm like, that totally makes sense to me because I feel so good, you know, when I'm sitting just yanking weeds out and I'm sure I can get some rage out there. Like that's a huge thing for me is, is, is gardening. Um, I'm trying to actually address the fact that like all my music tends to be corporate choir Mm -hmm. and I'm having to go, Okay, I'm sure there'd be something healthy for me to do some music that's just me. Yeah, I, w- I want you to make some EDM or something like that. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That's a hundred percent on my radar. Like, I yeah, totally you'd be awesome. At that. I totally want to do EDM stuff. Yeah. Like I've EDM been, or a DJ. Like, you're, you're like, so like mixing stuff. I could see you up there with the big beard and the hair out to here. And everyone would just like, this guy's fucking awesome. Believe it or not, <laughs> that's actually what I, I've been interested in doing a PhD on combining EDM and live choral music yeah. with like crazy stereo and live effects that are mapped specifically to like, to like frequencies and amplitudes. So you've got, you know, like fire spraying out at specific moments yeah. when, but it responds to what the actual sound of the moment is. It's not pre-programmed. Mm-hmm. So I've got this nerdy crazy concept to combine all of that EDM and choir and all this stuff together. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think that's part of it. It's, it's passion mm-hmm. is one of the best passion and creativity is one of the best cures mm-hmm. for depression. Yeah. You know? And being able to hit that pause yeah. to be able to, to pursue that and being able to get excited about that stuff again. Right. Like, yeah. man, I wasn't excited. Like, my, my degrees and stuff, like, they were fun. I enjoyed them. But there's definitely, man, a lot of lost passion in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I could I could tell the story of, you know, my master's degree, how doors just were thrown open. And it was exciting to go through there. But um, in the midst of it, not being able to uh, fully enjoy it the way I could have, right? And now I can dispel some of those clouds and go, oh, I'm really excited for... This EDM and choir stuff. Like I got plans. Yeah. I get, I I literally am looking at it, going, well, maybe I'll tackle this one when I'm seventy. Yeah. Like, you, oh, maybe I'll do that one when I'm eighty. And and yeah. Part of me goes, you're too old, and I'm like, no! shut up. That's ridiculous. I'm no like, no way. I want to be a fit seventy year old with a massive white beard yeah. doing EDM music live. Yeah. That would be killer. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I love it. Be like, that guy is insane, and he looks like he could literally snap me in two. Yeah. Yeah. But music's awesome. Yeah. There you go. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, especially when, you know, your mind is sending you these thoughts, you know, you got to have something that you're excited about, Mm -hmm. you know, something to move forward with. Yeah. And it doesn't have to ignore that shit. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like I, I look at my yard and I try to remind myself, I'm like, every day I want to do something that's soul filling. And the simplest start for me is, I'm going to pour some uh, mulch on that flower bed. Yeah. Right. And you have your front yard. I haven't seen your backyard, but your front yard is beautiful. Awesome. Thanks. It's on a corner a lot and you got some beautiful plants out there. Yeah. And it's, that's the thing where I look at it. I'm like, like even for today, I was like, oh, I missed to do my, I I didn't manage to do my uh, gardening because I'm, Come here, chat with uh, Jared here. <laughs> like, that's okay though. But oh, I put on my sprinkler before I went because seriously, as tiny a thing is, that was my brain going, "All oh, those plants are gonna look great. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be water on them, and yeah. tomorrow they're gonna look awesome. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. So, what advice would you give to people with who are struggling? Who are maybe there's someone out there listening, mm. and you know they're a devout Christian. They're they're struggling with some of these ideas. They're having a very similar 
experiences you. Yeah. What what advice would you give to them today? It's a broken leg. Like um, assume it's a broken leg. Don't don't start with the don't start with the high things. Oh, it might be. Oh, it's spiritual. It's emotional. Like let's let's look at the physical first. Like the physical opens those doors to see the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, your brain is a broken leg. You fix the broken leg, then you can walk. Then you can run, and like the path after that gets a million times easier. Um, you know, I got friends who they've gone on it and then they've got gone off of it, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be okay." I'm like, "Are you sure?" Like, and I'm not pushing you to be on medication, but like when you step back from it, you, you need to have supports and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff too. Like I got my wife who's this great support and she's, she's, she's watching me. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, you're trying to kind of becoming a shithead again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, whoop, okay. Right. But um, yeah, sorry. The, the, the question, you know, you know, that advice is it's view it for what it is. It is a broken part that needs fixing by medicine, um, uh, whether it is medication or alternative medicines or whatever, but take a step to do that. And a huge thing that we talked about that totally ties in, don't walk it alone. Yeah. Like ask the people who know you and be like, am I depressed? Like, like seriously, as silly as the question that is, mm-hmm. am I, would you call me a person who's depressed? Like good friends would be like, Yeah. Yeah, well, I've noticed this for a while, and you should yeah. get some help. Yeah, there's there's a version of you which is better than this. And mm-hmm. We want to help you get yeah. there. And if you got friends who uh, aren't going to help you get them, uh, get rid of those friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and if you'd, you know, the whole thing is the more we talk about this, then it's normalized, and it's totally. like you know, like what what happened if when your parents first got on medication, they'd be like, "Hey, Tim, we just want to let you know, you know, we're struggling with this. We've got medication. We're feeling better." And then mm-hmm. you would have been like, "Hey." I've got thing? the same genetics as them. I'm, you know, we're very similar. Yeah. Maybe I would feel better. Totally. Like, I don't think my parents ever tried to to hide what they were um, taking. It, mm-hmm. I think it was probably just part of that culture of like, we're just not going to mention it because yeah. there's no reason to mention it. I'm like, yeah. no, like my kids know it. They they fully are aware. Like I've, I've gone these, you know, beard runs, which, you know, me and Jared yeah. met up on. Um, and I've tried to live as publicly as I can with it to normalize it for other people. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of other people, it is hard to, to talk about. I'm like, great. I can be obnoxious publicly, and I will obnoxiously be like, hey, everyone, I'm depressed. Are you depressed? This is how I'm dealing with it. Yeah. You should uh, talk about it. Oh, it's yeah. Natural Depression Day. Here's what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Right? Just so people can be like, okay, I'm depressed too. like just to crack open that door a little bit like live it in community tell your friends tell your family and don't it's just too many people where it just it ends because nobody knew what they were dealing with Mm -hmm. yeah and that's just the worst yeah it's like uh you know kira my half daughter you know there's this young guy that she was always you know had this crush on and everything he was always with another girl Mm. and I guess they had broken up and they met up at the the bar and, you know, he's like, hey, you know, when you get, because she's leaving for the cab the next day. When you, when you get back, we should hang out. We should chat and everything. And she's, she's all excited, you know, and he killed himself that night. Oh, my goodness. So in her mind, she's always like, oh, I could have done more. I could have. And I'm like, wow. sweetheart, there's nothing you could have done, no. you know. And, you know, there's so many uh little warning things are going on that you know people just 
ignored or didn't mm. see because he's so young and it's just like, well, he, he should be fine. He's a young yeah, guy. He's okay. He's totally. resilient, all these things. And, uh, you know, we all want to save everyone, but, you know, if we don't talk about it, if we're not, hey, you know, when we see, because we can see when someone's having a hard time or down, mm-hmm. you know, they may not want to talk about it right now. But if you can point out, hey, I, you look like you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Can I help? You know, and the one thing that w- when people are struggling is we can't tell them how to fix themselves. Yeah. Yeah. All we can do is say, I love you. I'm here when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that is a better, you know, reach out than, you know, like I always give the analogy of quicksand. You know, you see a friend stuck in quicksand. And those that are like stuck on sympathy want to jump in with them and experience with it mm-hmm. and say, I know what you're do- dealing with, you know, all this because I'm experiencing it too. And th- they get all caught up in it and then they can't be someone there that can support and lift them up. Where empathy is walking up with a stick and saying, when you're ready, grab yeah. it and I'll pull you out. And, you know, we never want to tell someone, I know exactly what you're feeling. This is what you need to do. And this is how you solve it. Mm. It's, I don't know what you're going through because you're different than me. Um, But if you ever want to know what I've done or, you know, if you need some help and someone to talk to, I'm Mm -hmm. here for you. Yeah, there was a a young guy. um, He he came up to me and he said, my mom told me I should talk to you. And uh, because you talk about depression all the time. I'm like, all right. And he's like, so last night I took a bunch of pills, tried to kill myself, was ended up in the hospital. And I was just kind of like, in my brain, I'm like, well, I'm not a counselor, so I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. I'm mm-hmm. like, but I just talked to him about how much I knew his family loved him and how I cared for him. And I'm like, just call me anytime. And his, I'm pretty sure he's, he's you know, done, he's definitely done something because his, his outlook and his mindset's totally different. Yeah. Right. And then, and sometimes it's just that to be like, anytime, man. Like, and that's, that's not an empty promise. Like, hey, anybody who's listening, Go to Foothills Philharmonic or Oakwood Oaks Lions Church and find me and yeah. <laughs> message me and be like, "Hey, I'm depressed." I'm like, "Awesome." Well, not awesome, but let's go. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. let, you know talk to me about it. Yeah, and, and I, tell me everything, especially for a young guy like that to know that. Oh, here's a functioning adult mm-hmm. that struggles with depression and has found tools to help him, and he's yeah. doing okay. There's hope for me. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah. it's not perfect, but yeah, that's definitely that is not the end. That is not the end of your story. That is, you know. There's a bump along the road and then let's, let's walk through it. Let's deal with it and let's get you back on the road to good things. That's awesome. Let's end on that. Sounds good. I like it. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for your time. Thanks for asking me, man. It was really cool. No, I just, when you were talking, when I was kind of going through, you know, starting this, I'm like, Tim is fascinating. (laughs) I have to talk to Tim. Thanks. <laughs> I never would put that adjective on me. I'd, no, for sure, for sure. You know, it's, it's one of those it's guys funny. who's just got that constant imposter syndrome. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing in life. Someone's going to figure that out. I'm like, nobody knows what they're doing. It's exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly. I always said when I was a missionary, I said, you know, one missionary came up to me and he's like, I, why am I here? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not this spiritual person. I can't help these people. And I'm like. Dude, neither am I. <laughs> you don't want to know what my motto is? He's like, what? I said, fake it till you make it. <laughs> that is so just life. <laughs> yeah, in every job. My wife and I always say, everything is chaos. 
Yes. Like even the most finely tuned businesses around the world, there's always just this underlying chaos that is just bubbling. And they're like, yeah. holy crap, are we going to keep this crap together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we all have to be a little more compassionate and understanding totally. with each other. Because there is no perfect way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And no one's figured it out. Well, unless you want to say one person did. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> baby, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> baby Jesus and your little baby ma- baby Jesus manger. <laughs> that is like one of my favorite scenes ever. Oh, yeah. oh sweet little baby Jesus. <laughs> is that how you bow. pray? What? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Begin with bow to Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you. Tim. Now, uh, what's your Instagram? Oh, um, I think it's Tim Likes Music. That's what I believe it is. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to confirm. (laughs) So, if if you want to get a hold of Tim or you want to join his choir or you want to, you know, just follow an interesting person, Tim Likes Music uh, on Instagram. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Mm -hmm. everyone. And uh, you're not alone. And there's always someone out there that is also experiencing it. And when you start talking to people about it, you'll be amazed that you're not alone. Yeah, totally. All right. Thank you, everyone. Wasn't that wonderful speaking with Tim? What an amazing guy. I really, I'm very honest when I say I admire him and I enjoy his company and think he's a fantastic, interesting individual. Uh, As far as the conversation went, It's interesting how I was able to kind of slide back into that history of, you know, organized religion and remember, you know, all those things and be able to to talk about them with him. Um, You know, I think it's important that not just in the mental health field, but in politics, in, uh, you know, social justice, all these aspects of our lives, it's important that we can communicate with everyone, even when their beliefs and ideas don't agree with ours. Like, I have a real difficulty with organized religion now and uh, faith in general, but I know that Tim isn't just his beliefs. He is, you know, a good man and he's a good person because he knows it's right, not because of his faith. And I think there's other people that Um, you know, use faith as this blanket to make themselves feel as though they're good people and doing the right things, but don't act in the, you know, guidelines and teachings of their faith. It's more something, just an excuse to be able to continue to, you know, behave poorly and say nasty things because, well, I believe this, so I'm, I'm a good person. Tim is not that person. Tim is... A great example of just a human being in general. Um, you know, if you want to say he's a good example of a Christian too, he is definitely that. Uh, but uh, more importantly, he's just a good human being. And when we go through the uh, experience of this interview, it reminded me a lot of the five elements and um, you know those those personality types within it. Um, you know, it's interesting. We've seen quite a variety already in just the the first three podcasts that we've had. And particularly, um, you know, with Tim, we're getting into, you know, seeing another, like back to back, we've had metal people. Um, You know, Tim likes, uh, you know, uh, order 
and he likes um, patterns. Uh, like let's think about it, like music and um, religion. These are all things that have a particular pattern, a beauty to them, have regularity and pomp and all of this that makes people feel comfortable. And within the metal element, it's really important for them to have that regularity, to have um, that pattern to fall back onto, to feel safe and comfortable. The other interesting thing about metal is, you know, they are often drawn to religion. Um, the archetype is known as the artist or the alchemist. And this is someone that is searching for truth and searching for the answers to life, the universe, and everything. Um, <laughs> it's not 42, <laughs> but they're looking for this guidance and those patterns that make them feel safe and to answer those questions of the universe that they have. Um, and he fits that pattern very well. And, you know, even with the, his uh, personality fits in that, you know, metal people aren't, you know, great extroverts. They're not the people that are going to jump up and want to, you know, uh, be the center of attention at a party or um, want to be the head of the group. They're happy to serve and they're happy to carry out, you know, um, their role, but they're predominantly going to be the wallflower. And, you know, there's many times Tim fits that uh, profile. He's, uh, you know, within that group project, he's the one that's going to find the truth, find the answers, and, you know, get it to the group and support the group. But he doesn't want to be the one that's up front. Um, but he's going to show up and get the work done. And that's the metal element. Uh, they do often prefer to work on their own. Um, I think that's interesting where from his setting, you know, being the conductor, he feels safe having control, having uh, everyone, you know, listening to him. And that's when he feels comfortable being in front of groups is when he's in charge. When he's not, he has to retreat a bit to find comfort. And he's at the back of the room. And that's totally fine because that fits the personality. It fits the, the metal element. Emotionally, the emotion they have the hardest time with is sadness, grief, and loss, guilt. Abandonment is the great hurt. So when they feel they're abandoned by either their God or their parents, a spouse, someone, that is the great hurt. That's the thing that sets them off and causes the most pain. And, um, you know, I think for Tim, as we went through the discussion with him, his great hurt was, you know, suffering through his mental health and this negative self-talk. And, you know, he didn't touch on it, but, and again, this is me just extrapolating and kind of uh, guessing on, you know, our, from our discussion. I, I thought about it later. We didn't have time to talk about it. But there's this, this concern that, you know, when you don't get those answers from your God, from, you know, his, his belief, that he, he, may, he may have felt abandoned at times by his God. And he's not getting the answers. He's not getting the, the help and support he needs. But in time, he realized that, no, I'm not abandoned. There are other people out there serving um, in that place of my God that can support and help me. And that's why he went to a doctor. And that's why he you know, continually gets support and guidance uh, from his wife when he's getting out of balance. And um, by getting involved in communities and supporting others, 
he finds, finds that balance in service and gratitude and um, reaching out and letting go. Fantastic discussion. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it. Every time I speak with someone and we share these things, I further understand the five elements, our emotions and our mental health. If you want to learn more about your emotions, the five elements and particularly the five elements of letting go, you can uh, find out more information on my course, The Five Elements Letting Go, at jaredmccollum.thinkific.com. If you want to learn more about me in general, you can go to my website at jaredmccollum.com. And all the information will be in the notes for the podcast or in the notes for this video. And we're getting amazing feedback for the, uh, well, from the course for the past 10 years that we've been teaching it in person. This is the first time... Uh, this year that the course is available online. I've had um, literally all, about a thousand people take this course over the last decade. And this is the first time it's been available globally and outside of Okotoks. So I'm excited to share it and people to apply the techniques and the tools and learn more about themselves and their emotions. Um, so if you want to learn more, uh, click the links below check out uh, the course. There's some free parts that you can listen and watch uh, before you commit to the whole course. And um, there's even more information on our website and uh, on our YouTube channel. Anyway, have a great day, everyone. I, I just really enjoy these experiences, chatting with people and learning more about them and their experiences in life teaches me so much more and puts me in a greater position to help you and to coach you and to heal you and to educate you on your mental health. Thank you so much. Peace. Love you all. Have a good day.